0: Come on, there's too many Holy Ghost-filled people walking around defeated. Hallelujah. Like your God isn't more than enough. Like your God hasn't won every battle. Hallelujah. to turn to the person that is praying next to you and tell them you're going to receive a miracle today. God has a specific move of his spirit for you. I'm not talking about general things right now. I'm talking God has a specific move of his spirit. for. You. He knows exactly what you were saying to yourself last night and before you got here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you're going to get it tonight. If you have a sickness in your body, you're going to receive a touch from the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How can you say that, preacher? I can say that because I'm confident in the Holy Ghost that there's a visitation of His Spirit in this room right now. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what to do, but if you would like to make your way back to your seat, you can. Acts chapter 28, verse 7. Give thanks and honor to Pastor Beecham, Sister Beecham, the Beecham family, this great, wonderful church, FPC, for putting this uh, meeting together and allowing me to be a part of it. What an awesome move of God in our worship, my friend, Brother Mark Crowder, leading us into the presence of the Lord. And I, he is not just a singer, but he is an incredible preacher of the gospel. Amen. And I'm thankful to be here to team up with him in ministry tonight. Praise the Lord. I want you to ask the person next to you, what did you come for? Besides your photo ops that you're going to post on, you know, IG, and besides the, the TikToks you're going to show up, the worship and everything, What did you come for tonight? I believe that this meeting is very appropriately named because God intends for you to have an encounter. This is not just another rally. Amen. Thank you for all two of you that believe that with me. This is not just another rally. And for those of you that are chaperones, and those of you that you're adults, your pastors, maybe, your parents, for those of you that are here and you're not a student, you're not youth age, this is not Little League Church. I believe people can get the Holy Ghost tonight. This isn't Little League Church. I believe the gifts of the Spirit can move tonight. I'm not talking about just in the preacher or in preachers that are in the in the congregation. I believe some of these Holy Ghost-filled young people are going to be operating in the gifts tonight. We do still believe in that kind of thing, right? Amen. 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 This world is looking for a church that's got the real thing. Praise the Lord. And I believe that you have the real thing. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 28, verse 7. In the same quarters were possessions of... The chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us there, uh, lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux. He had, let me just put it this way, he, he had an issue of blood. To whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. Somebody say that man was healed. Somebody say that man was miraculously healed. And verse 9 tells us, so when this was done, others also who had diseases in the island came and were healed. Everybody say they were healed. Everybody say miraculously healed. They had faith to believe something because they saw something happen. Anybody ever witnessed somebody being healed before? Amen. Lift your hands if you ever witnessed somebody being healed before. Or you know of testimonies of people being healed, whether it's pain, whether it's. Uh, inner condition whether it's cancer whether anything if you know about somebody being healed lift your hands because you are aware of that testimony of the power of God you have a measure of faith to believe that for anyone anywhere at any time amen you have been exposed to the gift of healing the Bible says gifts of healing You have been exposed to something that God wants to be readily available for his church. To walk in, to operate in, to see it happen. Amen. Everybody wants to see that. Everybody wants to see a miracle, Pastor. Everybody wants a miracle. Lift your hands if you don't want a miracle. Everybody wants a miracle, but nobody wants to need one. I feel like God has sent me here to give you a proper perspective on the process of his power. God allows certain things in order for you to experience an encounter of his spirit. And there is a process to that. And if you understand this tonight, you will be able to have faith for God to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Hallelujah. Do you want that type of faith today? Lift your hands and ask God to empower you, to speak to you, to lift your faith tonight. God, we're expecting you to move, you're already moving. But Lord, we're looking for the outward demonstration of what we feel invisibly, Lord God. We need you to have your way. There are real needs in this place tonight. We need you to pour out your spirit, Lord God, just like on the day of Pentecost. Let it happen suddenly. Let it happen powerfully. Let it happen undeniably. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you all the praise and the glory. Clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. If you're expecting God to do something great, you may be seated. We are looking at a scripture here that is part of a narrative of the Acts of the Apostles. Paul, formerly known as Saul, was one of these apostles. Kind of an apostle that was born out of due season. He wasn't handpicked in the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, but God apprehended him in the middle of his journey. God wanted to use him to see some things. God wanted him to witness the power of the Lord, not just read about it, not just hear testimonies of it, but to be in. Apart and involved in the moving of God's Spirit. Hallelujah. And to be truly apostolic, you cannot live off of a testimony. Hallelujah. I know we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and through the word of a testimony, uh, but sometimes you need a, a first-hand eyewitness encounter of the power of God that has been at work in somebody's life or in your own. Hallelujah. I don't just want to hear about somebody else. Else, getting healed somewhere in Africa or somewhere in China or somewhere in India. I want to see an authentic power of the Holy Ghost moving in Lexington, Tennessee. I want to see God do a healing in Memphis, Tennessee. I want to see God moving in Nashville, in Murfreesboro, in Mount Juliet, hallelujah, in Goodlettsville. I want to see God moving all over where Wherever I am, he is there too. And I believe that his power is available for me to see it happen if I can just believe. Hallelujah. If we can understand the process of how God displays demonstration, we won't abandon the journey of miracles when God sets us on an adventure to be a witness of his power. God wants us to go through the process because we will appreciate the end game more. Hallelujah. When we go through the process. Hallelujah. You see, we, we have to understand that God is not going to allow anybody else to receive glory from what he does. Hallelujah. So when God wants to do a thing, he will make it so that nobody else can help that situation But God, hallelujah. He will make it so that no doctor can get the glory. He'll make it so that no medicine can get the glory. He'll make it so that no counseling can get the glory. He'll go. He'll make it so that only God can come down and do his perfect work in that circumstance. And some of you that are under the sound of my voice or in a situation like that right now, don't be dismayed, don't be discouraged, don't be depressed. It's your destiny that God will come through and show up and show out. God has Paul on a journey. The Bible says that Paul saw many things happen as he is walking with God and serving the kingdom, preaching the gospel in uncharted territories. But there were territories that nobody was thinking of. So God set Paul on a journey to see a miracle that he would never have pursued himself. The Bible tells us that Paul was accused of his brethren and the people that are supposed to love him and even identify with his faith, that they began to accuse him for some false things and that got him in a little bit of trouble. And the authorities came and apprehended Paul, put him in chains, and began to put him through a trial that he did not deserve. And they were going to do some things that would be against the law. So Paul began to appeal to a higher power. Hallelujah. God had told him that eventually he would be able to witness for him in the most powerful city in the world at that time, which was Rome. Hallelujah. God wanted to send a witness of his spirit in the center of power of the world. Hallelujah. He didn't want any part of the world without a witness of his spirit. He was going to send this apostle there. But Paul didn't realize that the journey wasn't going to be something that he delighted in. There was going to be some down times. There was going to be some low times. But if he would keep his faith, God would show him something that he had never seen seen before hallelujah so yes he was uh, uh, accused of doing something he didn't do he was uh, imprisoned wrongfully uh, and if that wasn't enough uh, now he's being transported uh, to Rome in a ship uh, and he encounters a storm so now you're wrongfully imprisoned you're on a boat Going to where God wants you to go, you're not doing anything wrong now. But in the middle of that journey, you encounter a storm. Now, most of you would have started praying against the storm, but Paul didn't start praying against the storm. Because he knew something. He said, I'm on my way somewhere, and I'm not there yet. But because God had given me a destination, even though I'm going through something right now, I'm not going to be afraid of what I'm going through. Because if God told me I'm going somewhere, I'm not there yet. So this storm is not going to take me out. And even if he swayed in his faith, God sent him an angelic representation. He said, there stood by me this night an angel of the Lord. Hallelujah. It was the will of God. All through the book of Acts, God intends for apostolic ministry to be coupled with angelic activity. It is the will of God. It's not mystical. You're not being hocus pocus. To believe that God has angels that are working with you and are working around you. Hallelujah. When you go to school, you think you're by yourself. Let me let me let you know something. You're not by yourself when you walk through the hallways. You're not by yourself when you sit in that cafeteria. You're not by yourself, even though you feel like nobody shows up to the P7. You think you're by yourself, you're not by yourself. There stands by you this. Day the angels of the Lord. This is a plan of God for him to send you help when you need it. So God visited Paul and many of us would have uh, considered the fact that since the angels showed up, that means the storm was going to go away. But the storm stayed. Even though The angel showed up. The storm stayed. Now, right there, some of us would have stopped. Right there, some of us would have threw in the towel. Right there, some of us would have quit on God and said, I don't deserve this. I'm doing the will of God. And my friends are talking about me. I'm doing the will of God, hallelujah, and people are saying things that are not true about me. I'm doing the will of God, and I'm going through this storm right now. But you don't understand, there's a process to the power of God, and he has to transport you through your trial to get to the desired destination. I wish somebody would get excited about the fact that God trusts you with trouble enough to get you to the place he wants you to be. Hallelujah. His imprisonment was the will of God. His storm was the will of God. And if that wasn't enough, the storm destroyed the ship And now they're lost on an island that nobody really goes to because they got there and they begin to see some people that wasn't dressed like how they were dressed. They didn't look like how they looked. Yeah, they had prison clothes on, but they had something worse. They probably had bones around their neck. They probably had a femur bone going through their nose. They were barbarians, savages on the island. They probably didn't even realize you're not supposed to make steak out of humans. This is the type of people, they're like, what in the world? God, first imprisonment, then a storm, then shipwreck, now I'm about to be eaten? Seems like it just keeps getting worse. Then all of a sudden, something begins to change in the story. The the thing that he thought was going to take him out actually started to help. Hallelujah. He, He didn't realize that God had put him in a place that it seemed like it was going to be to his demise, but it was the destiny of the Lord. Hallelujah. Bible says those savages, those barbarians began to kindle a fire. Hallelujah. And began to draw the people uh, that were shipwrecked toward the fire. Hallelujah. Sometimes it takes uh, some savage people uh, that know how to kindle a fire to begin to help those uh, that's going through a storm. Don't you discount your new converts. Don't you discount that they might not dress like you, but if they love God, they can kindle a fire You think you're in a school full of heathens? You don't realize God has people there that are going to help your purpose. Hallelujah. Lift your hands right now. God, has a word for somebody, the people you think are going to work against you while you're trying to save people in your school, while you're trying to witness, those are the same people that are going to begin to come, aside, come alongside you and help you and promote the purpose of the kingdom. Hallelujah. God, God, had him in a weird position. So Paul, like, man, all of us over here, and you got the savages kindling the fire. I'm not gonna let them outdo me. I wish some of y'all would get that attitude when people, new people get the Holy Ghost in your church. You start looking at, oh, they savage. They don't know. They don't, they don't know they're not supposed to run the aisle off beat. They don't, they don't know, they're supposed to clap on the. They don't know they're not supposed to shout that loud. They're supposed to shout like cute. You gotta save your voice, right? They don't know. They just wild with it. They just know how, they just begin to oh hallelujah. Paul said, I'm not gonna let them outdo me. And I wish I had some young people that'll say I'm not gonna let mm. Hallelujah. I'm not going to let somebody who just met Jesus out praise me when I've been in church all my life. I've had the Holy Ghost for years. I'm not going to let somebody else out worship. I get it. You want to take pictures after service. I get it. You want to get somebody's number after service. I get it. You're not trying to mess up your do. I get it. You're just... so oh, I wish somebody would start a fire with that praise right now. Come on. Y'all looking at them like, oh yeah, bless their heart. No, I need to bless the Lord myself. I need to get with it myself. Yes, the enemy. Excuse me if I'm kind of getting out. The lights kind of burning my retinas, anyway. Excuse, trying to trying to help somebody because you got to realize that God has you on a journey to get to a great place, and this, all these stops, are part of it. So he's there. He's like, I'm not going to let them outfire me. Well, I've been doing this for a while. They don't even know. They don't even have the Holy Ghost yet. Yeah. I'm not gonna let them outfire me. Said so I'm gonna get some sticks, and they got this fire going. I'm gonna show them how to build this thing. I'm gonna show them. And as soon as you, as soon as he started adding to the flame, out comes a viper to latch onto him. Yeah. A snake attacked him because he was trying to fuel the fire. Now. He was in prison wrongfully, got in a storm, got shipwrecked in front of cannibals, and now a snake bites him. He, he's not doing anything wrong. But he understood something. I don't care what attacks me. I'm not where God said I'm going to go yet. And so whatever it is, I don't care what the devil brings. It's not going to work. No weapon that is formed against the righteous shall prosper. That means the devil, he's going to try to form a weapon. But it's not going to prosper. It's not going to last. It he does something very powerful that many of us need to take notes with. Yeah. He gets attacked and instead of sitting back and crying, sucking his thumb, going in a fetal position, saying, ah, is to me. I'm not going to the church no more. He goes, just shakes it off. Watch now. It was so bad that even the savages was like, I thought we were bad. This guy must be really evil after being through that storm as a prisoner gets shipwrecked. And the storm didn't take him out. Now this snake is going to take him out. He must have done something bad. But he goes and says, ain't even a big deal. And they're looking at him, and they're watching him. They're like, hold on, he should have dropped dead, but he survived the attack. And because he survived the attack, They changed their mind about who he was. That's why God allows the attacks in your life. Because when you survive, the world is going to change their mind about who you really are. I wish somebody would get excited. I'm not in this thing because the devil has got me bound. I'm in this thing because God is about to lose a blessing. They're looking at him like some being like this guy, he must be like a like a god or something. Like, they begin to attribute God's power to him because of what it went through, because of what he endured, because of what he survived. Hallelujah. That's being apostolic. Not just the good times, but knowing you can survive the And when they saw that, people started talking like, oh, this guy is really a man of God. If he can go through that, if God can keep him through that, he is really a man of God. So much so that the chief person of that island said, you know what? If God could do that for him, I need him to come and see about my father. I got needs in my house. Somebody in my family needs that power. And if you got it, don't keep it to yourself now. I need you to come on over here. Oh, glory to God. It'll make evangelism so much easier when the people start to see what God can do for his disciples. He didn't have to evangelize them. They began to run to where he was because they knew that he had the real thing. Amen. So I'm going to ask the question now. Turn to the person next to you and say, you got the real thing? You got the kind of power that these signs shall follow them that believe? You realize that? Anybody believe in this house? Yes, Some are supposed to be following you. There's supposed to be signs following you. What are the signs for? The signs ain't for you, the signs are for the people that's watching you. Yes, and when, it, when you go through something, they're going to see, my goodness, there's my sign. Hey, come on. Come on. That's the way I need to be going. Right. They went through that and they still have a smile on their face. Where's their church at? Who's that pastor? What kind of... They don't do this in the Baptist church. They don't... They all sad in the Catholic church. But in that church, they got some real power. They got some power to survive. They got some power to heal. They got some power to deliver. They got some power to break through. They got some power to... Oh, hallelujah. We get... We get to the house... And then he lays his hand on the sick father of the most powerful man in that island. Oh, yeah. Notice now, Paul would have went to that island, he wouldn't have went to that island by himself. Oh, no. God had to transport him in a storm yes, sir. to get there. Yeah. Because there's some untapped, it, it is always the will of God to attach your trial to an untapped harvest. Oh, my God. So it is it's the will of God. That's how he does it. You won't go there by yourself because you're too timid. And you won't go there by yourself because you're too comfortable. You won't go there by yourself because you like how things are right now. So he ruffles your feathers a little bit to to move you closer to where he's actually working. I'm going to take you to Rome. He's like, yes, sign me up. I can preach to Caesar. But you didn't realize you got to preach to some savages before you preach to Caesar. Hallelujah. You you didn't realize before you get to Rome, you got to stop on this little deserted island with a bunch of people that don't know how to act, but they know how to kindle the fire. Those are the people that when they see your testimony, when they hear of your God, they're going to believe for anything. Oh. I know what it's like. There's some tables you won't sit at at school because you're just timid. You don't think they want this, but you don't realize this is exactly what they want. They don't know it, but you do. This is exactly what they need. They don't know it, but you do. And when you cower in the corner and keep your Holy Ghost bottled up in your school, nobody will know how good God is. But when you begin to open your mouth and begin to show them, not just tell them, but to begin to show them. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. Jesus. Heals this man of a bloody flux. And then when the rest of the island hears about that, he said, if God can keep him through the attack and God can use him to heal. Hey. Hey, yo, day-day, come here. Yeah, that, that. No, don't worry about your foot. We got you. It's not going to stay like that for long. We know where to go. And Sally, I know what the doctor told you, but we're going to a place where all that's going to change. Hallelujah. Yeah. When they hear about how your God can work, you won't even have to evangelize that hard. They'll come find where you're at. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you have to understand, God has no problem doing miracles. As a matter of fact, God has miracles waiting on people. You realize? Have a seat just for a little bit. God has miracles waiting on people. Why? Because even before you were born, He knew about every problem that you would encounter in your life. And because He knows about every problem, He had every answer sorted out and ready and waiting it's already done in the spirit why because god is not confined by time he lives in eternity he knows the end from the beginning he's the author and the finisher so when he saw your life he said okay they're going to need this they're going to need that they need this i'm going to have to do this i'm going to loose this i'm going to help them with that and it's all packaged up and waiting on them to get in And you over here like, God, why? Oh, God, I want you to oh help me. You're begging God for something he wants to give you already. It's already in the script. He wants to do miracles. But nobody wants to take the road to get there. So I want to preach to you tonight. You got to understand. This is where miracles begin. How do I experience a miracle? Where does the miracle begin? And I'm going to submit to you tonight that all miracles begin with a mess. if you really understand what I just said you'll be a lot more happier than that hallelujah because it doesn't matter what happens in your life if something good happens you got something to praise God about if something bad happens oh you get ready devil God is about to flex his spiritual muscle and show up oh This is what was going on in the life of the disciples, Jesus. And, you know, we, we get like this. So, you know, sometimes we read the Bible and we think everybody's just a superstar. We think everybody is, is rock stars, man. You know, Peter, he, you know, lying his head off and denying Jesus, you know, and using some choice words as well. And, you know, we, oh, yeah, Peter, oh, he Acts 2.38, he preached the gospel. man That boy was a lying sailor. Oh, look at all these disciples in a pot. You know, we're trying to be like, like, damn, we want to be so apostolic. But God didn't tell you to be apostolic. He said be like him. We're not trying to be like the apostles. We're trying to be like Jesus. Because the apostles were trying to be like Jesus. If you be like Jesus, by default, you will be Apostolic. Look at these disciples. They are in this boat, just chilling, watching Jesus preach. He's saying this sermon sermon from this boat. People are hearing him, multitudes just on by the seaside, hearing him speak. Jesus wraps it up. And says, okay, guys, we're gonna we're gonna leave now and go over to the other side. Everybody say destiny. destiny. Why is that destiny? Because God gave them a destination. When God gives you a destination, you have destiny. You have somewhere God is taking you. So don't along the way before you get there count yourself out because some devil lied to you and tell you god don't love you tell you you don't have no purpose in your life tell you you're not never going to be anything in your the devil is a liar god is taking me somewhere I care what your uncle said. I don't care what your stepdad said. I don't care what drunk so-and-so said. I don't care what they did to you. You better believe it now. Hallelujah. I don't care what any other circumstance around you is saying or doing. God has his eye on you and he's taking you somewhere. said, over to the other side. They pack everything up. Get into the boat, they start going. All right, everything's going well until the winds start blowing. And then the disciples are like, man, this is getting kind of crazy. Hey, yo, Pete, oh, take down that sail a little bit. We don't want to get too crazy out here. Takes down the sail and things start rocking. a little. And a storm comes through, a storm of wind begins to rock their boat on the way to destiny. You think Jesus didn't know there was about to be a storm when he told him we're going to the other side? You think Jesus didn't know what you're going to encounter when he told you to follow me? He already had it packaged. It's already in the plan. What he would do to help you along the way. Stop being afraid of things that God already has contingencies for. Jesus in this boat and he begins to fall asleep. Now they don't notice because they're just like, oh no, it's a storm. I mean, this storm was so bad. Some of those guys on that boat made their living on a boat. And they were afraid of the storm. Wasn't their first storm. But it made fishermen afraid. People who probably generationally. They knew how to be on a boat. This is not their first storm. But sometimes when you get in a storm, you begin to forget even what humanly you're supposed to already know. you just start acting out and being scared when you already know what to do. You've been here before. You've been through that already. And God already brought you through it before. Why are you afraid now? Oh, yeah, just by that response, I know I'm talking exactly where somebody needs to hear it right now. Hallelujah. You already been through something like what you're going through right now. Stop complaining, stop whining, start believing. He's over here. I'm afraid. So, I go like. Man, we're trying to build this water out. And I, don't, I don't know what we're going to do, man. we just... Hold on. Hey, John, where's Jesus? Jesus. How's he sleeping? And you know what? That's exactly where some of us check out right there. Like... I can't believe that I am going through this mess and God is not active. Why would God be sleeping when I'm going through what I'm going through right now? Let me, let me tell you why. He's sleeping because your storm doesn't bother him. Oh, I wish somebody would hear that tonight. He looks at the storm when he gets up and says, oh, wind and waves, peace. Be still. And immediately, the wind stopped and the waves calm. And then they're like, If the storm doesn't bother Jesus, it shouldn't bother you. Hallelujah. If it's not a big deal to God, it shouldn't be a big deal to you. If God allows the mess, that means he's got a miracle in mind. That's what. He's like, I'm going to show these disciples something. You can remain standing. I'm going to show these disciples something. And so he allows a storm to come through. And the disciples respond. Obviously, they respond in the wrong way. But God wanted to show them something. It's not a big deal to me. I can take care of this with one word. But you've got to believe me when I tell you that you've got ministry ahead of you. I don't care what you go through in your class and the conflict that you have in your home. If I tell you I'm going to use you in the mission field, you better believe me. When I tell you you've got a purpose and you are more than who you think you are, you better believe God. Because As soon as you believe him, everything that will hinder you and make you afraid of your call will begin to grow strangely dim. And all you can see is the promise that God gave you. Some of you are afraid of of acting on your call because you know there's storms going to be involved. And you hesitate. And you delay God's destiny for your life because you know about this process. It's like, stop worrying about all of that. Think about the miracles that you're going to experience along the way. They get to the other side, Pastor. And when they hit the shore, somebody's full speed. Running, pull off on the music, full speed, running, running to Jesus. They're like, who's this? Cut scars on his arm, running to Jesus. Little fragments of chains on his hand, running to Jesus. Looking a little crazy in the eye, but he's running to Jesus. And I dare to say some of you know people like that. cut scars got some chains in their life probably look a little crazy in the eyes you want to know why he ran to Jesus think about this now the Bible says that this man had thousands of devils on the inside of him Come on. now excuse me but one is more than enough oh, yeah. one is too much yeah, he had thousands on the inside of him but he's running to Jesus He's running to Jesus. How did he have so much faith that when he wouldn't let anybody else help him, when he sees Jesus, he helps himself? Oh. Yes, Nobody told him to go to Jesus. You think those devils made him run to no, those devils ain't make him run to Jesus. I believe. That he was off in the distance while they were still on the water. And the storm was rocking the disciples' life. And he probably saw somebody get up in that boat and stop the storm. And he thought to himself, if he can do that for his disciples, if Jesus is willing to do that for the people that follow him, that's who I want to... It was destiny for them to encounter an impossible situation that nobody can help. But on the way, they encountered a storm. It was so powerful what he witnessed Jesus do for his disciples. And nobody had to, nobody had to tell him to worship. Nobody had to tell him to run. He knew exactly what to do when he got to Jesus. He began to worship him and Jesus delivered him from thousands of issues that nobody could help him with. And I am here today to let somebody know it doesn't matter how much issues you have in your heart or in your mind. Today is your day to run to Jesus. You might have some questions for God why you're even in this predicament in the first place. But God is saying, I didn't make that happen to you, but I didn't stop it because what I'm doing for you right now is greater than anything you've ever been through. It'll make you forget what you've been through. It'll make you when God does what he wants to do in your life, people won't even remember what you've been through. You just won't look like it anymore. Listen, nobody had to evangelize him. Nobody had to beg him to follow Jesus after he got his miracle. He asked Jesus to be a disciple. Jesus said, No, I, I want. I want you to go back to where you came from and tell everybody what I've done for you. It was, he was a hot mess. But God allowed that in his life because there was a miracle that was about to take place. So he goes back and the Bible says he begins to publish his testimony in Decapolis. The capitalist is not one city, but it's an area of 10 cities. So, one miracle could evangelize 10 cities? Yeah. Maybe if you allow God to take you through some things, it'll set you on a path. Where people will believe God by reason of what you were able to go through with him. Impossible situations. People that will never come to God when they see what you've been through. And they see how you stayed in church and they see how you they see how you still worship God hallelujah even though you can pick many reasons not to worship you can pick a lot of reasons to stay home from encounter you have enough reasons not to clap your hands and not to leap for joy and not to give God praise but when they see you do it anyway they're going to want the God that you've got and i believe that somebody tonight with your hands lifted is right there in the middle of that journey where you feel like you're just surrounded by a mess. Somebody came to encounter saying, God, if you don't do it tonight, I don't know if I'm going to last in this thing. And God sent this preacher to tell you that your prayer has been heard. God has a miracle for you tonight. And as you're leaving your seats to come for that miracle, I want you to believe God for the impossible. There is a miracle in this house today that God wants to display very publicly. And when he does the miracle, no one else can get the glory for what God does. As the music plays and the singers come, this is gonna be a little bit of a different altar call tonight because you're gonna be very involved in what happens. It's not just gonna be, you know, preachers and youth pastors and coming to lay hands on you and find you. But there are some of you that you know that God is real, you know that He can do miracles. And God is trying to awaken the faith of people that have allowed their faith to just kind of be on the shelf collecting cobwebs. No, you go to church, but your faith hasn't been active. I know what you say you believe, but there's no demonstration behind your walk with God that changes tonight. Because the mess that God is introducing some of the lives that are here right now God intends to loose a miracle in this place with every hand lifted. This first part of the altar call is going to be us declaring in the atmosphere that God, we believe, we believe in you so much that we're willing to lay every burden on our shoulders at your feet we're willing to cast all our cares on you we're willing to let go of our hurts our hang-ups we're willing to say god search me lord jesus i don't want anything in my mind or in my heart to block your miracle tonight so i repent Hear me today. Nothing happens without repentance. Repentance unlocks God's presence for you to encounter Him in a way that you could not encounter Him before. So right now, as your hands are lifted, whether you're in the front or you're still in your seat, We include you in this prayer of repentance. Even this preacher. God, search our hearts tonight. Turn on the spotlight of heaven and search us, God. See if there be any wicked way in us that can hinder what you want to do tonight. There are people in this place that need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There are children in this place and kids and students, Lord God, youth that need a miracle of healing in their body there are those that are here that their family members need a miracle so right now we open our hearts and our minds for you Lord Jesus to cleanse us and to watch us from every one of our sins to begin to blot out all of our transgressions Lord God in the name of Jesus God forgive us of the things that we we've done that we know about even the things we don't know about that we've done heal us Lord God forgive us Lord Jesus we're not hiding anything tonight we're giving you all tonight in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus come on I want you to pray that prayer right now because if you don't pray that prayer or you don't mean that repentance you won't encounter him he's looking for people that are willing to turn that are willing to do whatever it takes to encounter the power of his spirit